Greetings, friends, and welcome back to the Film Alchemist podcast, the pod where we take the movies you love, break them apart to find out what gives them their magic. I am your host, co-host Alex Dandino, soon to be joined by the real host, Josh Griffey, the uh, Lestat to my Louis. I'm sure you guys will understand what we're talking about soon. That's right. We're in the middle of the Horabis, 31 pods, 31 days. Guys, thanks for sticking in with us. We got some great hosts and our friends coming up shortly are no exception they are barbara and brian dillon from fanbase press if you know fanbase press they do great books like keen say nuclear power and uh penguins versus possums which was actually the first book i bought from them. they're lovely people uh they decided to come on the show to talk to us about interview with a vampire which as you might know t Cruz, brad pitt kirsten dunce great time honestly it was one of my favorite pods we've done they had incredible insights it's like one of brian's favorite movies it was so awesome to talk to him about it he had such awesome things to say some stuff i wasn't even thinking about it's great special note we are all parents of course uh brian and barbara just had uh they had twins they have twins so if you hear children in the background my kid included you might hear some cooing some awing some crying here and there don't be alarmed. All the children were okay. No children were harmed in making this pod, but nevertheless, just in case you're curious, there is some audio in the background of some kids crying, some kids cooing, so on and so forth. But nevertheless, it was a good pod. It was a wonderful talk. Guys, let's get into it. excited uh this is going to be a great episode uh we have special guests here for of course our horror month of horror the horror abyss another (laughs) wonderful special guests in fact i think this might be the first time we've had a duo on which is kind of cool um uh bryant and barbara dylan from fanbase press are joining us to talk about this most awesome movie that i think is a little off the beaten path for like everything else we're watching this month right griff (laughs) Uh, yeah, I feel I wonder what this movie plays like if you weren't in the 90s, right? This was kind of like the Walmart sex novella brought to life. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was Twilight for like our moms. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's very, so just in case you guys haven't figured it out, right? All the cheekbones and such interview with the vampire. And I love this movie. So I think yeah, this, this is, a great is pick, awesome, guys. by the way. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, let's just get guys. Why did we pick? Why did you guys pick interview with the vampire? out of curiosity um i guess that's on me i I was i was under the impression that uh barbara liked this film as much as i did but apparently she's just fascinated and likes to watch it while i go through my periodic rewatches but yeah this is this is uh for me this is my my peak vampire film i was i was i had a mother who was was into uh, interview with the vampire? Oh yes, we all of, did. <laughs> I was sort of fed it that way, you know. I I, uh, I think I saw the film first, and then as I got into my teens, I I started going through the the, the first couple uh, books. I got lost. At, you know, Anne Rice really wrote an entire universe. So at some point, I was like, all right, I right. can't read all of these, but but I was I was pretty well versed throughout my like teens and twenties in in the Anne Rice, I guess, Vampire Chronicles, and so. Right. This seemed like a good chance to revisit the film. Awesome. That's awesome. So, Barbara, are you saying that you weren't given the choice that Dylan was? 
<laughs> it's, very, it's very true. Um, I think I'm, I might have watched this movie when it came out, but uh, in meeting Bryant in college, Bryant ha- was like this uber vampire fan across all genres, across all fandoms. I mean, from Buffy to Anne Rice, mm-hmm. it was all vampires all the time. Um, I really don't like this movie. <laughs> Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> now it's I've, getting good. <laughs> I've seen it a number of times now, um, and so we—I think this t- this time around in yes. rewatching it, I've really kind of dug in and started asking, like, "What is it about this movie that you like? Tell me more about what it is about this performance that fascinates you, or or this scene that's intriguing?" Because I just don't get it. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, I encourage his fandom and i encourage his enjoyment of the movie and the books um so but i thought it would be fun to tag along and and participate in this discussion (laughs) pod wives take note it's encouragement that keeps this thing going it's encouraging (laughs) so so uh brian what is it about vampires specifically right what what is it about vampires that do it for you um you know i don't i that's a difficult question i think that there is uh obviously something in in my teenage life that like many teenagers i was drawn to this idea of being young forever and kind of being able to rebel against the standards of society and the the rules of of even i guess the natural world there's something very rebellious whether you're talking about lestat in this film or um the lost boys with with Mm -hmm. david and his gang or you're even uh in buffy you know they're yeah. quite a few vampires that are rebellious and and sort of uh throw their uh two fingers up at the rest of the world uh even vampire society within vampire society you know so i think that was it's, it was basically like my punk rock you know yeah. it was like get into vampires get into vampire the masquerade uh the role-playing game you know dress with the trench coats and everything and and so you know this this fit this fit right in there i was i was a broody teen and so i could i could both uh relate to to louis uh his his life of pain constant pain and suffering and also like lestat's sort of uh um just again rebellion you know just uh Mm. throwing throwing shade at the standards of of the time i like that i actually i like the way i've I'd forgotten how this movie started. Like it literally just starts as an interview. I thought it was, I thought I, I, I did not remember that. I thought it was much more surprising. And mm-hmm. like, uh, uh, Christian Slater's character, it was Malloy, right? Malloy's much more, I thought it was, he was much more taken aback and it starts then like, so matter of factly, I was like, Oh wow. We are just like getting into this. I, I usually, the first time I saw this, I think it was on AMC and I saw it like when I was a teenager, much younger. And I think I started, after all that happened like i started at like after he was turned by lestat so i had missed like the preamble and everything like that and then watched it years later i was like oh wow and i'm still startled every time i was like this really starts matter of fact like it feels like christian slater gets over the fact that this guy is a vampire like really fast (laughs) which is kind of cool yeah what choice what choice do you have yeah i like that he's just (laughs) like all right i guess we're just doing this i well, it's it's the big kind of burning question at the center of the film, because I, I remember the first time I heard of this movie, I think AMC used to do this amazing clip show every Halloween, whereas like yeah. the, the 25 or 50, was 40, something like that. Yeah, like the scariest moments in movies, right? Okay. And I would live for this fucking show, because like this was back before the internet, so 
you yeah. just had word of mouth or like covers on VHS. So you're like dying to find like what's the coolest movie. And they showed the scene of him like mauling the vampires, right? Lighting everyone on fire, cutting them in half. And so I was like, oh, well, Interview with the Vampire is going to be metal as fuck. I got to go find this movie. <laughs> and then I watched it. And I was like, what is all of this talking and sadness? And it, it was such a different movie than what I had thought. But I think it's kind of one of those movies that as I've gotten older, I found more and more things I actually like. I think it's one of the uh, vampire movies that doesn't deal with the youthfulness of it as much, even though they do look at it. But this is kind of the it gets to the point of the vampirism, like you're saying, is like, I just don't want to die. And I think we can all relate to that. There's this there's this burning question I have at the start of the movie, though, which is why the fuck is he giving this guy the interview? Do you yeah. have any idea what that would mean? to Like, why stop and tell this story? Because they hint at that maybe he was hunting Christian Slater. Yeah, and then for some reason, yeah. yeah. So for some reason, he stops perhaps because he just wants to unburden himself. And what is the going to be the consequence of this interview? What did you make of that, Brian? You know, it, it's it's interesting because uh, the character, Christian Slater's character, Daniel, is becomes a bigger character in the in the books. He goes on to reappear and eventually become a vampire himself, despite mm -hmm. his interaction with Louis. That that goes kind of the same way where Louis just disgusted that he even asks for that. Right. I think it I think it is I, I think Louis is sort of um and, and it was uh, something I think that was mysterious to me as a, as a teenager where I kind of got hints of it but I couldn't really put the pieces together. I look at it now older and I think Louis is supposed to represent just this, not only like sort of the, the suffering and depression that, that people can go through in, in long periods of times and, and, and how quickly time can pass at, at, when you're stuck in that place. But I think he also represents sort of this um, 90s disillusionment. And I guess it had to be even earlier because I mean, this book was written in the 70s. So Anne Rice had to be expo oh, really? you know, exploring some of these thoughts, you know, at, at that time. But this disillusionment of like, I don't I don't really know why life exists. I don't know why all this suffering exists. Right. I don't know what part I play in it, if I'm good, bad, indifferent, you know. And yeah. so I think part of that is him trying to just go almost go with a feeling that like when Daniel starts to talk to him and ask if he wants you know it seems like Daniel's just like one of these interview hounds he gets interviews he probably sells them the you yeah. know various outlets um and so I think when Daniel surprises him by asking him for this interview I think there's part of him that's like well maybe this is this I've never done this maybe telling this story will give some sort of uh purpose to others because at the end I even I think he even referenced I noticed at this time where he's like you know take the story tell give it to others maybe some maybe you can learn something from it you know mm -hmm. but he doesn't even know exactly what that is and I and I think that's because Louis is a character who never feels even though he becomes more confident with things like all oh, right I'm, I'm gonna accept killing to a degree I'm gonna accept who I am to a degree and my nature I don't think he ever um finds peace he's he's constantly yeah. tormented and uh can't really let go of the the humanity that's still sort of buried within him that that other vampires seem to not not yeah. have they almost seem they almost seem attracted to it in this film they like that yeah, he still yeah. has that in it so well there is something to the idea of drinking blood for life but not actually getting any life right that's one of the things i really like is how they show the um 
the the vampire is kind of constant appetite, right? It's very sensual mm-hmm. and powerful. And at a certain point, you're like, it, you can go to the old country buffet and have all the, you know, fucking chocolate fondue <laughs> you want. On like the eighth day, you'd be like, oh my God. <laughs> and the hollowing out of these characters I love, right? There is a funny thing at that part too when Louis's like, oh, I failed again. <laughs> and I was like, if you tell anyone this story, we're all going to want to be the vampire because right. we yeah. can't be in your headspace. We just want the cool powers and all the shit yeah. that goes along with that, right? I think I think it's very human and relatable, a lot of that kind of stuff. And I do think, Alex, that uh, Louis doth protest too much. <laughs> like, can you really be fucking sad for this long? Like, he's <laughs> such a mopey bitch this entire It's interesting, movie. though. Like, I mean, I kind of... <laughs> It's weird. This I'll is, give you like this, 50 to 100 years, right? <laughs> I've got, well, you know, we've, we've all have children. And I got to say, like, I'm now a dad and <laughs> a husband, both. And I this is the first time I've watched this movie and been like, wow, I would probably be hunting for death, too, if, like, I lost, like, my entire family and I was I just did rich forget about the like, wife and the kid backstory. Being super rich and lonely, I'm like, yeah, I guess I probably would be, like, on the hunt for a thrill to just, like, maybe it'll end it all. Who knows? Like, it was this, like, oddly relatable thing this time of, like, I guess you... And it's interesting. I did not know the book was written in the 70s because I do think that Louis' temperament is, like, this very specific kind of 90s vibe. Like, this movie came out in 94, and it does have this almost, like, grunge texture to it. Like, sure. it's really strange mm-hmm. to put it that way, but it is, like, this You think Louis like... would be at Woodstock 99? <laughs> <laughs> and, and we just watched Woodstock 99. Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, right. I think he'd be a huge Mud Honey fan. And, yeah. You know, it's... No, but, like... I came it... for Mud Honey, and I got corned. No. <laughs> but it is this, like, really... It is like this really specific loneliness that I was that I actually was really I was like oh god I think I'd probably be doing the same shit yeah like I would have you, no it's weird qualms. that you say that because I feel like I didn't put it together but uh, this Louis not that far from Kurt Cobain in temperament or outlook on yeah, life yeah I didn't think about that know? either wow 90s icon and, yeah and and you have that feel of like it, Kurt had that feel like, you know, he had a life that most people would look at and be like, why, I, why don't you want this life? I would right. kill for this life. And he's like, you just don't fucking get it. You yeah. know, like, yeah. and, and I think that that is part of the aesthetic for that character of like, there's something in him that is uh, almost too, uh, you're going to laugh when I say this, but too sensitive for this world uh, to a degree, which is, <laughs> which is ironic true, because I don't he's, disagree, he, you know, He's brought in to be a vampire, I think, because that attracts something like Lestat. We see it attract Armand later. Yeah. But yeah. and 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 again, he may like think Louis seems to think like, oh, well, maybe this will be my way out of the pain. And it just brings him more. And I feel like yeah. that's the story of his life, is like he keeps trying to find a reason to go on. And all he every every exit is like, nope, life <laughs> has no point. And sucks. Yeah. You know, I mean, he really is a glutton for there. There's a funny thing I took this because it is fun. I think every generation, right? You have your moment of disillusion, right? Whether it's World War One or two, the Great Depression, Vietnam was probably a big thing on the mind when this book was written. We all go through that. I think it's just coming of age and being like, oh, I wanted this my whole childhood to grow up. And now I'm here and oh, this sucks. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is all it is. And so I think that that's something I know a lot of people in the creative fields, right? It's something that a lot of us fear all the time is what happened if tomorrow, like we used to do this thought experiment at the bar, right? What if you're sitting there like drinking a beer and Spielberg's walks in and he's like, here's your fucking giant movie contract. You can do whatever you fucking want and you get everything you ever dreamed of. 
and you woke up the next day and you were still sad, you know, and there, there's something just primal to that. And I think one of the things I really took away from Louis this time was the, he talked about the, that what if the guilt and the loneliness and sadness was the only thing he had left, right? And so I think especially like way, remembering his daughter, especially yes, with that. Yes, yeah. exactly. And I think there there is a real survivor's guilt tone, which is kind of a fun thing that they don't really do a lot in vampirism movies, right? The guilt that not only is he going to survive his wife and kids, but that he's going to survive them by centuries, maybe forever, right? So there's something to that survivor's guilt, and that maybe vampirism to Louis is a way to just keep flagellating himself right for fear that maybe someday you know the pain would subside and he could move on maybe louis really wanted to lock himself in that that grief i don't know what did you think of that alex you're kind of a louis by nature (laughs) true uh yeah no i mean i think that's exactly like it's like it's like what brian said like clinging on to that last bit of that last shred of humanity is what keeps you in Louis's case, I guess, kind of sane. Like, it's this strange, it's such a strange thing because, like, every other vampire story, every other vampire character that we really, other than probably, like, maybe Angel, who, like, is the only character who, after he's, like, woken up, kind of hates being a vampire a lot of the time, but embraces it eventually. But it's sort of the same thing. Like, Louis really spends, like, the first top, like, the top of the movie, like, loathing this vampiric existence. Like, and really putting himself, like, putting himself in through with like so much punch, like drinking rats and all kinds of stuff when he's like, there's a, and not only that, like there's just this like drug pusher living in his house, like Lestat, who's just like, come on, man, it's the good stuff. Like constantly like <laughs> trying to get him to play. It's this really strange, like it's this very strange loneliness that I, I think is, I think is entirely relatable. And I think that's like the thing that I think is most interesting about the movie in general is that, I've never watched vampire movies thinking I'm going to relate to most of the characters. And this is the first one I've ever watched where I was like, I kind of get it. Like you would not like probably love your existence. Like you can only be out at night and so much. And not only that, like when you finally find some sort of solace and like Kirsten Dunst's character, for instance, Oh man, eventually she's going to figure out what the deal is. And yeah, she does. And it becomes this like horrible thing and then kind of nice and then like you just go through that pain all over again as we find out like it's just this it's it's weird i guess i would probably just yeah like you'd probably clam up too and just be like i can't do this anymore i'm just gonna be a vampire by myself it's weird yeah barbara what did you so i know you said you didn't love this movie right but is is there something about this kind of vampire that didn't sit well with you or is it more just the construction of the movie? What did you make of the way they represented vampires in this flick? You know, I really didn't, having seen most of the vampiric content that Bryant has consumed <laughs> over the years, um, uh, I really don't have any issue with the depiction of vampires or, you know, and honestly, I find it fascinating to hear everyone's, what everyone is taking away from the depiction of these vampires and the, the impact that the story can have. Um, for me, it was really, I think, two things. The construction of the movie. I, I know I talked to Bryant uh, off air about the pacing of the film. I think that the, the it seemed like there was like a four act construction of the film and it just was like <laughs> took a really long time and some odd turns. Um, but the performances were what really I just couldn't deal with. Um, which is probably shocking, but um, 
I generally enjoy wow. Brad. I enjoy Brad Pitt as an actor, but he his performance was so sorry for the babies. Uh, was so abysmal <laughs> in this movie. I just couldn't get through it. I yeah. really, I could not. I think that he and Bryant told me that uh, in the production, uh, he had issues with the contact lenses, that they were really impacting yeah. his performance. And so he wasn't enjoying that. But I felt like he could have given any yeah. sort of performance and it would have been more than what he gave in this movie. It just felt so bland and flat that mm. even there were times when I thought that um, Kirsten Dunst was giving, apologies again for the babies, uh, they were, that she was giving a better performance uh, and a more uh, impactful performance than Brad Pitt. But um, yeah, I felt like a lot of the motivation of the characters did not come through in the performances. Um, there was one scene, I think, that Bryant, and I, Bryant pointed out, and I was like, okay, I can see in this moment that there is some subtext to the performances of these two characters. And it, it was a Tom Cruise, Kirsten Dunst scene. But that's it. The entire I was like, why, why are people <laughs> why are people attracted to one another? These characters are so flat and bland that like, what is the attraction? What is the subtext? What's going on that they there is some sort of charisma connecting the two? And I felt like that for most of the performances throughout the entire movie. Unfortunately, yeah, I'm sorry. No, it's, <laughs> it's sorry. No, you know what? That's really it. I actually. The Brad Pitt performance, because I also read, yeah, Brad Pitt like actually called David Geffen at one point and was like, yeah. how do I get out of this? And they're like, it costs $40 million to get you out of the movie. And he's like, yeah. all right, I guess I'll just do it. Yeah. <laughs> but like, and it's interesting too, because Brad Pitt was like, this was in 94 and Brad, I think this came out after whatever. There's some movie that really, like this was Yeah, one there was the, a big like, one right before this. I there was a big one right Joe before Black, this maybe. one. Maybe. Maybe, yes. yeah, somewhere it was right in that wheelhouse where he was starting to become like brad pitt and it's interesting like that's how they started releasing the movie too but like it's such the it's so fascinating that like because i actually think brad pitt's stoicism is one of those things in the movie that i kind of glob onto because i'm so used to him being kind of manic and kind of weird like it's weird we've actually watched a lot of brad pitt movies recently like we watched 12 monkeys uh recently right, for the pod right, and all right. that stuff and i'm just used to very charismatic brad pitt's episode uh scenes so i guess maybe i'm just used to that and was, because i've seen it so recently i was like oh wow brad pitt's really bringing it down and it's weird because griffey actually hates tom cruise so i was wondering i how... fucking hate tom cruise. i was wondering <laughs> how i fucking hate him so i won't do it everyone who listens to the show has heard me do my tom cruise routine but it, it works for Tom. This movie actually is weirdly how I assume Tom Cruise behaves in real life. I think he's not a human. I think he has no human quality and has no reason to interact. I think he's just like a, a, a machine, right? Like a prop. But this movie, I was like, I do think he probably thinks of us as less than and food for him. So, yeah, like it works. But but to the Brad Pitt point, right, there's a, there's a quality to him. And I think there's kind of an intentional emptiness, right? And that he almost has this, like, Dante Inferno's quality, right? Like, he's being led through hell and just observing these fucking insane, chaotic things. And every now and again, we just need a, you know, a, a kind of hollow vessel to sit within and feel safe enough. Because, yeah, because Kirsten Dunst is probably the best part of the movie, in my opinion. Yeah, and so. Tom Cruise really is good, fucking, yeah. I love what Tom Cruise is doing in this. I, it's so funny. I remember Anne Rice, I was reading that she was furious when Tom yeah. Cruise was cast. But then she actually like wrote him an apology after because she liked what he brought so much. Mm -hmm. 
But yeah, so I think they're both going so high, right? And by the time we hit Paris, the vampires are just fucking fully like old world insane bastards that the fact that he's just kind of this hollowed out space, this beautiful hollowed out cheekboned boat for us to ride in, I think is probably (laughs) somewhat because you can't have him just matching the craziness at all times, I feel like. Right. 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 And so and there's also a part, right, if he's we have to imagine that this is his memories or Christian Slater's imagining. So there's a very dreamlike separation out where the Louis character is not as involved in the segments as possible. But, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. He's definitely just kind of Ryan Goslinging his way through this. Right. It's a good, it's a good comparison. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Early yes, Gosling, that's a great, not as much. That's a great as way to put it. <laughs> Gosling would make a great Louis, honestly. He would be I, a great I, Louis, know. right? I think that might even be better because I still think that there's like this with Ryan Gosling's performances in every movie that he's ever done. Um, there is still like a magnetism or a charisma, mm-hmm. even with oh, the and quiet brooding, that. and I don't get that at all with Brad Pitt. It's just like completely an empty void. Wow, and it's so unfortunate. <laughs> See, I, I, I really, I really love this performance of, of yeah. Pitt's, and and I, I mean, that's just because this is who Louis is to me. Um, yeah. He is hollowed out by the end. He even, I think, he even comments like, at, like he ends the interview by saying, like, I go on. I'm detached. You know? Yeah. That's, well, he says I'm empty, and they're like, "That's not how the story can end." And he's like, "But it, but it did. It does. Like, yeah. That, it's is... already there, dude. The story's already over." But yeah, yeah. I like, but that's what I mean, though. Like, I think that stillness too. It leads to that really awesome crescendo, right? When he breaks out of the casket at the end, where you can tell that Armand has set him up right, and uh, Claudia gets it when he comes out and he looks at the kind of like carnival barker vampire. There is a fucking raw fire in his face, right? Whether it was just like, you know, they say for actors, like, use your pain. And he's like, I fucking hate being here. And he was imagining staring at the costume department or whoever. But the fucking raw intensity and rage of that moment, right? When he sees Claudia and she crumbles to ash and he just stares at that guy. I felt the pain of that through the screen. I was like, holy shit. It's like he's going to get me for, like, participating and watching it. So that the subtle Louis actually lends, like, a real power to that moment but yeah i i mean louis very very still in this but let's talk about uh t cruise let's get that fucking robot out of the way Alex. <laughs> well i mean this is this was this is probably amongst his most beloved performances right what did you love about so. what he was bringing to the table is let's stop i i think he just really nailed the character i i, I uh i can not fault anyone for having issues with tom cruise he is a uh a the man, not the vampire. In, yes, a lot to take <laughs> as an individual. But he also, um, I feel like he also commits to certain roles in, with that intensity. And this is one where I think he was galvanized by the reaction from uh, Anne Rice. And he uh, he really dove into this world. I remember he did a lot of uh, studying. He learned how to play the piano for the role. He studied the character. Um and it just, for me, again, it, it, this is the Lestat that I see when, when I imagine uh, Lestat. He has, he, he has every element. And I, I guess what I really do appreciate about Tom Cruise's performance is it seems like there was no fear about the uh, homoerotic undertones or the, mm-hmm. the, uh, yeah. the feminine nature that Lestat sometimes has or the ambiguous nature. Um, and and he could be both vicious and and scary, but also uh, completely, um, you know, completely reading reading as a gay character. Um, yeah. 
And so I, I find that really interesting. And um, I also, this time watching it, what I find is I feel like what I see in these characters is that was that that Louis is sort of raw. He is sort of honest with what he is feeling and, and just wears everything on his sleeve. He's, you know, you can see it in his, his face. Lestat isn't, I don't know that he's that much different. Clearly he doesn't have the uh, remorse that, that Louis has. But this time what I felt was he's, he's, he's putting on a facade about this anger and sort of like rock star vampire, but he really just wants a family. Consistently what yeah. he's trying to do is find companionship and he can't, he can't, but like many humans I know, he can't really hold it together because he's unable to sort of drop his ego mm-hmm. at, at times. There's times specifically with Claudia where he, is, he relates to her very intensely. He has a, a love for her but he can't say, I'm sorry. He gets, he gets angry when he's confronted with his own faults. And so he lashes out and it just, he does the same thing to Louie. You know, I think anytime he's confronted with his own faults, he becomes angry. And, and you can see that in some of the uh, most, more specifically in, in some of the questioning that comes where they want to know, like, what is, what are we, what do we, shouldn't we know more about like good and evil and God and the devil. And, and Lestat is just kind of angry that they even ask these questions, yeah, you know, right. I think because he doesn't know either and he doesn't yeah. want to contemplate these thoughts, right. you know? So it yeah. works for me. He's so, he's sort of this, like, it's interesting. Cause he's this, like, he's, so, like, he's just this vampire's vampire. Cause like, I, I be like when I was younger, I picked up on the whole, like homoeroticism a lot more. I think this this viewing particular, and I don't know if this just comes with age and it being 2021 or something like that, but I was just like recontextualizing it for myself. I'm like, this just feels more about having power over people that you've made yourself. Like it has mm-hmm. much more, like, because when I was younger, it was very much that. And then I felt more as I got older that it was much more about the power. Because I agree, I think that him not having the answer to like the whys of the vampire world is actually like his biggest insecurity. So instead he just kind of like whips it out, so to speak. And just like constantly like trying to like tell these guys what to do. It's this really strange, actually like really alpha male domination that he tries to pull over on Claudia and Louis a lot. Well, mm-hmm. I, I think to the point, right, is he he mentions it as in the one point when he says uh, there's no creature that's more like God than we are. Right. Right. And so I think there's a thing with him that I feel like this is he wants Louis to so desperately reaffirm his lifestyle. Right. I think he goes out and again, he's just pure appetite. Right. He just will have sex with anything. He will bite anything. He just always wants those like immediate pleasures. And so his whole game is just that, right? And I think he feels hollow and empty, but he can't admit it. That's why he's he likes only the aristocrat blood and the the fancier old ways, right? It gives him something to latch on to. And Louis's supposed to be the guy that's there, you know, being like his fucking flavor flav hype man, right? Like this is awesome. This is a yeah. dark gift. I love biting hookers all the time. And when Louis pulls back, because Louis's whole mantra is I will refuse to partake in any joy, right? That's his you know, fucking hot topic kid lot in life is he's just going to refuse to have any moment of happiness. Right. Except for with Claudia. But because he's so pulled back, he refuses to acknowledge that Lestat's life is awesome. And I I think that's a really hard thing for him to see. Right. I think Lestat sees him as the guy who has his chest open, you know, shoot me, kill me. 
you have no conviction. He sees someone he think is thinks is going to appreciate this life. And he has to confront that this is truly just a curse. And I, I thought that dynamic of the movie was was exceptional, honestly. Like I, I, I like the I like the kind of patheticness of all of these vampires, right? This I mean, just with all of this gift like Lestat's constant need to have human trinkets, right? Whether it's fancier clothes or fancy stuff. It's like, why do you need all that? And there's just a kind of sad empty patheticness to it that i think is really relatable <laughs> i totally agree <laughs> all right well so now that we're on lestat right lestat's story intersects in a really fun way with claudia and maybe it's because i'm a parent you're all parents here on this call right this might be yeah. our first ever all parent yeah. uh phil malcolmus but i think it is yeah uh i found claudia to be if the whole movie had just been that like, I think that would have been so awesome because I'd like to know what you guys make of this this section of the film, right? Because why does what there's so many questions, right? Why does Louis lose control with her in that moment, right? After berating Lestat about the whores, right? Why her? Why that moment when Lestat's about to turn her, he grabs the hand to stop her, but then he doesn't. What did you make of, of this segment of the film, guys? Um, I would say that this is just, uh, this is part of the, uh, what feeds into, I think, Louis's um, sort of struggle with what, what life is or what, what good and evil is, because he can't resist killing people. He can't resist the, the hunger, even though he wants to, he feels guilt for it. And he makes this like, I think it's almost fate. He comes across this girl and 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 has a moment of weakness, and of course Lestat is there to witness it all and he, and twist the knife and use it against Man. him. And then I think that there's again the human uh, the human need for companionship in both of them. I you know I Lestat uses it's it's very like we think about it all the time. Yet oh they they had a kid to save the marriage and this is exactly that what is was happening. my first thought Here, too you know? <laughs> yep. and, and 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 it it happens just the way that it does in a human you know yeah. life like she she gets 30 years in and then starts to realize become aware of things and all of a sudden she's picking parents or pitting parents against each other mm. and they're having to deal with the the sins that they committed that are now being brought you know brought up um so i i, I find it fascinating uh that both that louis finds enough happiness in this child to stick with lestat for 30 years after everything he goes through at the beginning of the film mm -hmm. and then that also becomes that her death becomes sort of the defining moment for him for the rest of his yeah. unlife if you will and and that is also really fascinating when you if you know that this book was inspired by the fact that anne rice's daughter died of leukemia when she was four and it was, it was, it was, yeah, it was that. a wow. story where she had a, a short story about and a vampire being interviewed, but came back to it after this horrible depression after her, her child died. And it seems like the entire first book is just a contemplation on how do you exist after yeah. you've lost a child? You know, what is, what is life after that? Yeah. I think that's like a universal, every parent's absolute fucking worst nightmare. Right. So yeah, I, I really latched onto that. Uh, Barbara, what did you take away from Claudia watching this film? 
I agree with what everyone has said so far. And honestly, it, as I mentioned earlier, the one scene that I think really shone through and demonstrated a lot of subtext and development with the characters was the scene when it appears as though Claudia is coming back to make amends with uh, Lestat and he's playing and uh, he's playing the piano and she entices him to come over and see the gift that she's provided for him. And uh, he's, you know, lashing out as he does because that is his way of his defense mechanism to protect himself. Um, but for a moment, he you see this pause that he gives in because he doesn't want to have this shield. He wants to have this connection with her. And it's this amazing moment that it's like, oh, there's acting going on in this is movie. That, it's that, a specific line that you pointed out that I think is great where because where, she's like trying to make amends and he's just throwing it back in her face. And then he she says something like, well, what? I have something for you. And he says, it's, oh, I hope it's a woman with uh, endowments you'll never possess. I mean, right. And she, and she actually re go, like responds as if she's hurt. Like, why would you say such things? And he has a moment where he's like, what a dick I am. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, he feels that. Yeah. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm hurting this person I love. But again, he can't say, I'm yeah. sorry, you know? Yeah, like, cruelty he's... is just such a second language for him, right? It's just... I, I I think that bit too, because that that plays into one of the things I really love about Claudia. I think she's one of my favorite because they have this too with um I think his name was Hector in Near Dark, right? He's like the child, the frozen child vampire. And earlier you had mentioned right one of the things that is alluring about vampires is this eternal youth, right? This kind of Peter Pan fantasy. This is really getting at the core of what that really looks like, right? To freeze yourself and not be able to grow up and experience all of these things that are just built into our natural biology. And I, that the watching Lestat, like Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise, you're like, all right, they're like grownups, you know, grownups do orgies and all kinds of weird stuff. Like I can imagine like grownups getting into weird shit, right? <laughs> when you see Kristen Dun or Kirsten Dunst in this movie looking almost like a Shirley Temple, right? When you see her getting into that kind of behavior, like killing the dressmaker and the scene when she reveals that she has the corpse of that lady under the dolls, right? Because she just wants to be a fully formed sexual woman. I mean, that scene, I, I was like, that's just about as devastating a horror movie moment is, you know, the, the slashing yeah. and stuff from the clip shows one thing. That is a truly depraved moment, right? This little girl who doesn't know what's happening and can't make heads or tails of the world, which we were all in, right? Imagine having puberty for like a century, right? And she just, she she takes this woman. She's literally just a plaything to her. And the analogy, of, and I just, I, I thought they used her, I mean, devastating is just the best word to me, right? Because it, it just is soul crushing every time Claudia's on screen. Because there's nothing we as an audience can do to help her. And the 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 inevitability of it going bad is just obvious what do you make of that alex yeah i mean it's uh it's interesting like it just it's a correlation it's you know we're, it's a it's a really horrifying thing because like I, I never thought about it when i was younger but i guess like i was like wow if you are stuck in a kid body but your brain keeps going you're like you're, the neurons that are firing exponentially more terrifying than and like to look at your body to not change is just 
No wonder she... I mean, the fact that she was as subdued as she was for so long. The fact that she was such a cold-blooded killer and was able to accomplish, like... Shouldn't she just be, like, a straight-up serial killer, you know? Yeah. It's this really fascinating... Uh, it's a really fascinating thing, but also just, like... It is, like, the most tragic... Like, when she cuts her hair, mm. might be oh. the scariest movie. It might, might be the scariest scene in the movie, honestly. That's like, really her sad. realizing what's about... What's happening to her or what won't ever happen to her is... Yeah. Absolute terror. It's it's very sad and it's also very scary because now you realize this person like she's is she's just locked in a she's locked in a body. It's ter- it's it's very sad. Yeah, and that's that's one of the fun things of this setup, right? They really introduce her in a great way, which is Louis just sees this girl holding I mean, he's walking through this plague ridden part of the city, right? Which talk about adding to the uselessness of life conundrum. And he just sees this girl holding her dead mom and she's going to die. Like she won't make it so did he really save her or did he just extend her torment uh there's just a lot of extra things going on with that relationship right and there's the scene when she walks out to louis when she wants to get lestat's ass right and she does in just like a horrifying manner right just cold-blooded as hell but when she comes out in like almost like a white nightgown and the way she's even like walking up behind him and talking it's just, holy shit, this is unsettling, right? It, there's there's a, a like mature woman in there talking through this, and it's just it's it's horrid, right? Like yeah. she really makes your skin crawl, and she was amazing in this movie. It's really it's it's like ridiculous how well that you, that that those scenes work, where you're like you can see her playing thirty plus at whatever ten, I think eleven mm-hmm. at the time, and yeah. and I, I don't know. I'm not always the biggest Kirsten Dunst fan, but like this is one where I'm like, I don't even know how you have the ability to do this performance. It's oh, yeah, like that is. It's oh, yeah. scary good. <laughs> Unbelievable. Having, having the wherewithal to be able to pull this together is it, it, honestly, it's actually like scarier knowing that she was 12 and she did this. Like, I cannot imagine what kind of child she is to be 12 and be able to pull this off. Like, it's. But I mean, again, I think it happens incredible. sometimes with children actors. It's kind of like her vampire journey right they're just too young to know better so they don't have the self-consciousness and the pulling back like in this movie she just is a killing machine because she it's like Lestat says like you are what you are right there's no running from it you can drink rats and whatever you are designed now to be this thing and maybe that's what she is but man I I just love the three of them and that segment I thought was fantastic and then obviously like Lestat getting buried and coming back as the corpse you're like this is like top-notch horror stuff I feel like the movie kind of skids a little bit when we get to Paris. I didn't know. It's weird because I love the imagery of the vampire theater. I don't know that that was the best way to spend 30 minutes of the movie. Uh, Brian, do you, do you does this segment really do it for you? And what kind of stuff was uh, are you bonding with in this segment of the film? I will say that this segment always feel was it seemed to be... Um... Like something was was missing for me uh, the first first couple times I watched it. Um, it again, like is something where if you're one of the book readers, it's more enriched because um, uh, the theater appears in different books, and you find that you like when in the second book, which is is kind of funny. It's uh, the first book is released in a meta way where it's like, oh, this is actually the interview the transcript that got released, <laughs> you know. And then the second book has a similar meta uh, fashion where it's like. Lestat read the first book by Louis 
and was like, Louis is fucking lying about so much shit. And he releases his own book about like, well, this is I who that. I am and why. Um, but but in that second book, you find that Lestat, uh, you know, was was he's from Paris and he, he was um, Armand his maker. That was always my theory. Armand was not his maker. His maker is actually a, a vampire, I think, named Magnus, who literally like turns is like insane. He he's crazy. He kidnaps Lestat, who is working in the theater at the time, and uh, turns him, and then like jumps into a fire in front of him and dies. So that's why Lestat always says the thing of like, I didn't have a choice who made me, and my master told me nothing. And he's like, you know, wow. sort of bitter about that, but. But he um, he had an interaction with Armand where he um, Armand had a, a was like leader of another group of vampires in in uh, France or in Paris where they lived by these very strict sort of old world uh, views almost like what he's doing now but but deeper they all lived underground and they only came out at night and they they saw themselves as uh, cursed by God. And I, I can't remember exactly what occurs, but Lestat essentially is is confronted by these vampires, where they're like, "Hey, you're not living the way vampires are supposed to be living. You're you're up about you're like wearing these fine clothes and trying to be human." And he kind of just shatters their worldview and like makes the whole group like disband because oh. they don't know what to do. <laughs> um, and so Armand has always sort of got like a chip on his shoulder about Lestat because of that. He has to his worldview shattered he has to kind of put it back together and and finds this theater um but to to go back to your original question i I think what i find interesting about this segment even though i think that you kind of have to dig for it is is everything with what we get through armand and his communication i think all the theater vampires are supposed to be sort of what they describe these vampires who are locked in their time period that they've they can't evolve they are who they are and that seems to be the downfall of, of vampires, is, as, as a Roman puts it, that they they don't change with the world. The world changes and leaves them behind and they get stuck where they are and they yeah. need to find somebody or something to help them step into the new age in, in order right. to not have that happen. Um, so these seem to just be, um, I, I think a se- this is just a sequence where we're seeing like, there's something about Louis that represents uh the current age of dis- disillusionment and i think he mentions being at odds with everything mm-hmm. essentially not you know this this sort of um existential like torment that that yeah. i guess these, these these individuals have and um these vampires don't have that you know they're very much like we're here to kind of be the the evil you know yeah. in the world and and i think that um, it's there for Louis to kind of look upon and be like, well, for what? What's yeah. the point? Monstrous. You know? Yeah. Right. You know, I, I love that sentiment. Yeah. The vampires not changing with the eras. It's one of my favorite things of the film. Right. I like the idea that these vampires are still stuck in this aristocratic era where they can just commit their crimes on Front Street. Because I love the scene when the audience is shuffling out after they just like buffet that lady and they're right. like not clapping. They're all like, hmm. Like, just very quietly shuffling out. Like, you're like, I wonder what the reviews are going to be at the pub, right? Like, well, that was fucked, (laughs) you know? But, yeah, I like that because there was another thing I noticed this time, too, which is they grab Claudia and kill her, right? But it's almost as if they can't fathom that Louis would actually be attached to her and even fathom that he would want revenge. 
Like right. they're actually taken aback and caught off guard that this guy's going to want to get a piece. And I thought that was, I love the idea of that. And we see it with Lestat too, uh, and when they're in the return to Louisiana, but I love that idea of you can just keep living, but that doesn't mean you're going to always have the, the life you had. Right. Right. Alex, what do you, what do you think about this bit? Yeah, I mean, that is exactly, it's interesting. I, I never thought of it this way, but they're sort of all Claudia's in this regard. Like, mm. they don't move with, they don't change with the world. They don't progress with the world. And I think that's what makes Louis this aberration is Louis wants to progress. It's just, it's almost like the, accept, it's the like the seven stages of grief. And he's almost, that's my kid now. Uh, it's almost <laughs> accepting of the fact that this is his lot in life. And now he's moving forward with it and saying like, all right, I'm going to like, like when we see him at the beginning of the movie, that's him like saying like, I'm ready to be a part of the world. <laughs> yeah. Your Henry kid's Henry just Henry like, Grace. dad, I love the theater of vampires. God damn it. <laughs> I mean, but I, I think it's weird. Cause I, I feel like this is the segment where it stalls a little bit. Cause we have such a beautiful climax with Lestat and Claudia and Louis. Right. And this moment does get into it. Cause this is where we get the enormous payoff for Louis and Claudia, right? I love the fact yeah. that she she can tell. Because there's a fun thing they play with, right? Which is all the vampires are affected differently, right? The dark gifts. So some people, like Lassat says he can read thoughts. Right. It seems like Armand might have some version of that as well. And maybe Claudia too, right? Because she knows that Louis wants to leave, right? And so I like the thought that she's just like, give me a mom again before you leave and the lady being like yeah i lost a daughter i want a child who can't die and louis like that is a child that's already dead. i thought that part was really fun right and i liked that the emotional culmination of that and then him just saying that was it that was the last now i'm lasad i've given the curse out so i'm not this kind of pure grief machine that i was right now i'm also giving it to someone else that's you could say claudia was an accident right but this lady wasn't and so I, it has that really good emotional punch, but I thought the rest of that segment was a little slippery at times for me. It felt like we were trying to like re jumpstart the movie, right? Like we already hit the peak and it was just hard to try to get back up. I will say though, I thought the final scene, well, I wish the final scene with Lestat was awesome. When he finds it, not only I thought it was cool that he like goes to the movies to see colors. I thought that was really a beautiful <laughs> sentiment. Um, but I like his final – I like seeing Lestat, this scared vampire who's afraid of searchlights and the noise. And I thought that was awesome, right? What did you What did you guys take away from this scene? I, I always lo I always loved that um, scene. I, I think, again, it was something where I think that I get more from that scene and the older that I get. Yes. Because I understand it more. I think as, yep. oh, as a teenager, you're like, well, what happened? How did he become like? Yeah, this? why did he quit just you know right. biting ladies all the time? What's up? <laughs> and and but but to see the a to see the reversals where Louis has all the power and the confidence and and has sort of found somewhat of a place that he's comfortable with, and to have Lestat be so pathetic and and helpless and fearful, and and to have the seduction come back in where Lestat tries to go like. You know, if you were just come be with me again, I can I can become who I was, mm -hmm. and they and they have that kind of mirror what Armand was trying to do. Again, I think speaks to this interesting thing where you're like, all right, 
it, the film is too subtle to say straight out like, oh, Louis like this uh, paragon, but he, he, he is this like unheard of, you know, quantity, I guess, in, in the vampire uh, community. Yeah. And, and the fact that he's, he's almost like, not only does he want to change, not only does he have these, these feelings, but I think it's like these other vampires, as much as they're like, we, oh, we got rid of human, my human side, I got rid of that. I'd, they want it back, you know, yeah. like, and they, and, and Louis is someone who somehow has retained some humanity and he's intensely attractive to them. And almost, uh, yeah, I think someone talks about like quickening them. Like he, they, they, he's like this, uh, he has this ability for some reason to, to give them new life, which is really, really interesting. So yeah, I think that final scene is, is really fascinating. And I, I love too that, like it's another subtle thing, but I love that they actually do like some 80s uh, like uh, costuming that he's wearing like sort of yeah, the right? 80s suit. Those fucking shoulder pad suits. Love it. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, even just something as little as, you know, he finds Lestat by a trail of dead rats, right? I, I just mm-hmm. thought there was a yeah. lot of, but the scene, the moment in that scene to me is when he wa- takes a step to Lestat and Lestat like jumps back, right? He's right, mm-hmm. yeah. this fearful creature, right? And just imagining how long he's been in that room in that chair. Uh, what what was doing it for you in this bit, Alex? Same as you, man. I mean, that's, I think the vulnerability of Lestat is what always, it, the, it's, it's fun to see that juxtaposition because he's like such an asshole throughout like the <laughs> top third of this movie. And you're I mean, like, just dancing with a late, a mom's yeah, corpse like, and shit. Like, There's still life in the old girl. You're like, you dick. Come on, man. Like, <laughs> Very much like Tom Cruise in real life. Never. <laughs> <laughs> so there is that like kind of, you're just like, oh, like he did get his comeuppance. But you're also, it is weird. Like you are like, this is sort of disappointing because you do want like this final face off between him and Louie. And you're wondering, and, I think that was the thing I was wondering this. I was like, why do I feel satisfied yet kind of unsatisfied? Like, I yeah. felt like the power dynamic had shifted, but I'm like, I kind of didn't want it to. Like, I wanted them to be toe to toe because that's how. Because Louis, I, I always thought like Louis could have taken Lestat anyways. He just chose not to in a lot of in a, in a lot of respects. So for them to be the for there to be this like shift in the power dynamic made sense thematically because. Lestat of all creatures would be the one to like, and we, as we found out, he did like, uh, like queen of the damned, but like he would be the one to move with the world, you know? And it's weird to find him in this place where he like, can't. So I don't know. It's a, it's a great, I think it's one of my favorite like ending scenes. Yeah. Well, I think there's a part of like the fiery battle, right? Like they had in the apartment is one thing. But I think there is something to Louis just seeing him and, you know, I'll just let time defeat you. Right. right. I'll let your That's own appetites point, yeah. hollow you out. And you're you're as pathetic as can be. And by, you know, doing a head chop or whatever there with his fucking 80 karate hands or whatever, <laughs> he's releasing Lestat from having to pay for what he did. Right. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I think there's. There's something to I like the idea that Lestat is this hollowed out and he's like, remember how I was? And he's just this frozen in time guy. And I'm not going to lie. I think the last scene of this movie is one of the like 10 percent worst endings of all time, like bottom (laughs) 10. That last scene is so bad on just like a number of metrics. Right. Like, I do like the idea that Louis brought Lestat back, like just getting a whiff of Louis. He's like, I'm ready to try again. 
But the the jumping in the car and the like, come on, like turning wham on the radio. And shit, <laughs> like, come on, that is not the best. I mean, honestly, I was like, if that's the last we saw of Lestat until he joined Corn and Queen of the Dam, like that would have been fine. That was an epic ending for him. I don't know. I didn't love that last. I liked the last bit with Christian Slater. I didn't love that final Lestat in the car scene. What do you think, Brian? Did, did that do it for you? Did you like that part? <laughs> it's interesting. I, I do like that part, but I think it's because I, it's almost like the, uh, the air tank uh, exploding at the end of Jaws, where you're like, <laughs> if you think about it too much, you're like, what? Yeah. And, I, and, much, and, much like, and much like Jaws, I, I don't know if, if listeners know this, but Jaws, the book doesn't end that way. The shark just, uh, the shark just dies right before it bites Brody. And, and he's like, well, thank God that happened. Yeah. It would be very an- anticlimactic. But I mean, yeah. that's like the, the book is having a very, uh, you know, a, st- a story about like the, um, you know, man versus nature and the fact that man can't defeat nature. The movie obviously has a, a different Spielberg-esque, uh, you know, uh, bang at the end um and i think this has the same thing i think they wanted something big and kind of fun right at the end to grab audiences it's not this way in the in the book the book uh that goes underground for a while after seeing louie and and just ended up coming uh back later due to rock music hearing rock music is what what pulls him out okay um, i have questions about that but, but yeah i mean there is something to it feels like this is the like if we're gonna ever make a franchise out of this we have to have tom cruise's we'll stop back but yeah i just i thought it kind of undercut this like beautiful bow on sure. this very introspective kind of quieter than you would imagine vampire story um it's something you would have to you would have to like re explain or recontextualize yeah. if you yeah. were doing a second film and it's really just, I think it's there to make audience go, ooh, oh man, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I think that's the thing that always throws me off is because Louis the main character of the movie. Lestat is the essentially the antagonist, yet Lestat gets the like final punch. And he's really supposed to be the main character because that's, that's the main, he's the main vampire Fran Rice's novels. So yeah. it's, for those, for those of us who haven't read them, it's very kind of jarring because for me, I, I remember watching the first time like, why is that other guy coming back? I don't understand what yeah. he had to do with anything. Like he's just getting another shot because, Zenu, but like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait, I had to ask the queen of the damned question. Cause I remember seeing that movie in theaters and just being like, what the fuck is this movie? Right? Like what is happening? Even Aaliyah couldn't Woodstock save 99. it Yeah. Yeah. It's like literally Woodstock 99, but with like fangs and leather and shit. But <laughs> Is that how it was in the book? Lestat became like a new metal rock star. It 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 is, but I will say really? it, it's, but it's, it's, it's always, done well in the books. You like it's that. all in execution. I mean, I I haven't read the that book in a long time. I will say, but it did not. <laughs> it, I did not see the Queen of the Damned film in my mind when I was reading it. It's very much, <laughs> you know, it's very much. He's in. It's more in the eighties. First off, you know, it's an eighties yeah. story it. because of okay. where the book's that would set. make more sense. So he was and, probably more in like Bauhaus than like Gore. right, like white white snake or <laughs> yeah, something. Right. You know? <laughs> but um, now him as a member of Motley Crue seems exactly right. <laughs> right, right, right. Seriously, but that that's kind of the attitude of it, and it's it's more that like Lestat is awoken by like these songs that are being sung specific from a specific band that's that's near where he's buried himself. And he sort of like just shows up and becomes their lead 
singer and is this character of like the vampire Lestat. He ends up reading Louis's book and he's just like, well, maybe it's time for me to come back. And um, it's more of like, instead of being focused on the music, it's more of like, oh, here's Lestat going out into the world and being like to the entire vampire society, like, fuck you. Like yeah. I'm out here, I'm going to say I'm a vampire. And if you want to come and get me, come on, do it. Like, and so I, awesome. you, you kind of have like his story yeah. filled in in the background of like why he is a vampire, why he is the way he is, that he was depicted in, yeah. in an interview with a vampire. And you get this more nuanced story of like, oh, so this is what Lestat's dealing with and what he was trying to do. And, and maybe like the first book we were seeing totally through Louis's eyes. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I, I, I would say that like, I feel like if we had a Queen of the Dam that had the same attention to detail and sort of nuance that this film had i would yeah. be interested but i feel like they very much wanted to shift it into a yeah. sort of hot topic underworld type story and it's like yes. it's just not really that story <laughs> you know yeah. that's not what this these stories right. are about i will say this as a teenager at that age uh the wrestling team that i was a part of this was like the cd like this was on every time we lifted weights this was the cd <laughs> That we were like lifting weights too. We we're like, yeah, like we're feeling stuff. We're lifting things. And <laughs> yeah, like this was like a, I mean, this was like probably like a top five high school record for me. I don't know if that's sad or awesome, but you know, you got to be honest. Gotta be both. Yeah, you got to be. I mean, that well, is the story Jonathan of my life. Davis is the voice of Lestat in that. And right? that's what, because yeah. I, again, outing myself, I was a huge corn with a K fan. Uh, it was just that time. That's just what we did. Mm -hmm. But he lost the rights to it. Or there was some like contractual dispute, right? So on the CD version that you would buy, they had David Draymond from uh, Disturbed, Chester okay. Bennington from Lincoln Park, and right. Wayne Static, like re-recorded the songs that Jonathan Davis had made and sung. Really? But on the CD has like this all-star cast of like other new metal guys singing it. So it became this like really weirdly beloved album in the metal community. And then we all went and saw the movie and we're like, woof. <laughs> you know, Buzz's <laughs> girlfriend, woof. But, <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's – I like the idea of uh, you saying Lestat essentially did like the, the Tony Stark and Iron Man MCU moment where he's like, I am a vampire. Yeah, right. Cut. And then we get 28 <laughs> movies after. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so we've covered a lot of ground. Uh, so if both of you would like – where do you kind of end on this movie? Like, what is the just like culmination at now that we've talked it all out? What is the 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 real sticking point? Why you still love this movie and come back? Or Barbara, did you find anything that would yeah, maybe bring you, you back? Yeah, <laughs> you go first. I think I think that I can find a movie within this movie that could be good. <laughs> you're so political and nice about just eviscerating this movie <laughs> i think that there I, I think what's amazing and some i think maybe alex mentioned this earlier but where i think that this movie is is that it was ahead of its time in depicting a complex non-heteronormative relationship um and where I think it could really excel is a cut out everything in, in France, cut out the entire <laughs> theater of the vampires. Just it's, it just slows everything down. It doesn't, it's not necessary. And just focus on this core relationship of Lestat, Louis, and then Claudia and how she brings everything together. Because in a way, I think that there could be this amazing movie about um, if, if Louis both in human form and then in vampiric form is this abused individual who has, you know, and is then preyed upon by Lestat, 
that could be this amazing, you know, arc of a character that at the end in the last scene and coming back and finding Lestat is this hollowed out, you know, core of an individual and then Louis, you know, their power dynamics shifting so amazingly, that could be a really interesting movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd work on some of the acting and rehearsals a little bit, more, <laughs> but that's just Brad me. Pitt, we have <laughs> notes. Yeah. We have some notes. Let's discuss. Um, for, for cast. Yeah, back to the drawing board, Brad Pitt. <laughs> oh, I, I'll give Brad Pitt some love. That's fine. Yeah. But I think that's I think that's where I, I leave it. Unfortunately, he probably would agree with you. He'd probably He'd be, be like, like, I, I mean, know, I, I was terrible. He, he, he said that he didn't have anything to do in this film, so it speaks to the empty empty vessel uh, comment that uh, we were talking about earlier, but. For me, this is, and again, maybe I'm like these vampires, I'm stuck in my time, you know, <laughs> but this is, uh, this is my ultimate vampire film. This is the way I would like to see vampires. Um, the, the depiction of the mythology, the way they evolve above, it seems like above sexuality, above any kind of desire beyond, um, you know, physical, I guess, desire that everything is about like, uh, companionship or the blood, you know, I, I, I like that elevated approach to to what they are. I like that they become more beautiful to become more predatory to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of that really, really speaks to me of what I would I think would make vampires uh, more, the most interesting, I guess, in mythology wise. But I also like now looking back on it, I think what I really like about this film and maybe I was biting into or nibbling at when I was younger is there are many if you want if you're a big vampire connoisseur there's many stories about like the reluctant vampire the vampire that struggles with what they are evil and that is present here but i think it's done in a much more nuanced way where it's not just like oh am i going to be evil i think what this story really tells that's interesting is like we can't escape our human flaws or human weaknesses by becoming these creatures and it's interesting to see this like attraction of like oh you can become more you can get this you can get that you you'll be you'll be uh something more than human but they're still at the mercy of their human flaws even the ones that sort of deny it i think louis just more honest about where he is while we see armand and and lestat also be affected by their human flaws and in the end struggle with human things i mean they're not they're not um they're not like lamenting that they're like going to live forever or having to eat like queen of the damned they're not like we have to defeat the ultimate vampire it's all about like what if i what's the point of living this long if i don't have love or companionship in my life what what's what is the point of living this long if i i don't know what the point of existence is and why do i exist as this this supernatural creature if if there's nothing, you know, is there a God or, or, or is this all just pointless? And this is just another level, you know, of that, um, meaningless, you know, existence. And what do you do with that? Like, what do you do with meaningless existence if you exist forever? Yeah. I think we all definitely wrestle with that one. (laughs) I think, uh, I think that's what I take away, right. Is so many of the vampire movies, it's about the, the fear of being hunted by a vampire and someone biting you and, that can be great, right? What I like about this one is that it really kind of gets at some of the cores of what I think are the really fun, deeper layers of the vampire curse, right? Is the the Peter Pan fantasy, the it takes so long. It's that you can only just be pure appetite for so long before what's left. And I like the, the kind of 
the cursed nature of these characters and them having to actually deal with emotional tumult, right? A lot of them, like even Lost Boys does a little bit of that, but it's it's so fast and teenage, mm-hmm. right? It's like a, a Ramon song. It's over before it even really like can get in on that. Sure. Even if it still had something to say. Right. And, and I think this one taking the time to, again, see Lestat is just this husk and imagine what Claudia is going through and those kind of things, right? I, I think that that philosophical level of this one is what I really like about it as an addition to kind of the vampire uh oeuvre alex what final final thoughts on interview with the vampire yeah i think the meditation of it all is really fascinating to me like it's i think it's probably the more interesting just the more interesting like intellectual take on vampirism that i've seen in a lot of movies like instead of being obsessed with like the rules and what the rules, the rules are actually yeah. very simple. I don't, I like I'm not into the rules thing. They just kind of eschew that in this one. Yeah. They like, just, the like, rules don't are very simple. It's literally like, yeah, like they do it at the very top and he's like, what are like, what are these? And he's like, uh, Velociraptor in your apartment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, is it feeding time at the pit? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, yeah, it goes. It's amazing. I love that. Alex. It's so annoying. Uh, <laughs> no, it's great. Um, yeah, it. I like that there's not a lot of focus on rules and it's much more about just living or yeah. unliving, so to speak. Like there's yeah. a lot of this. There's a lot of just about how to exist. And it's very the existential crisis that everybody goes through in this movie is really interesting because we don't talk about that almost like there's just not a lot of like I think maybe a couple of movies cover it in a less interesting way but i like the existential crisis that all these characters go through because essentially there should be no existential crisis like their existence is pretty simple feed and there's more to it than that for this movie i I like it still hurts even though you're dead and you can't die it still hurts all the time all right here's the final question i have one final question all right (laughs) if he if if louis tells you this story do you still want to be a vampire no no Oh fuck yeah, dude! A hundred percent. I want it all the way. Oh man, I think I'm, I think I'm in the in the same boat where I would want to say I would say no, I should not. But there's going to be that I think inside me that there's I want that, it. that yeah, like I've done this be mortal better, coil right? shit long enough. Yeah, I want to see what's on the other side. And then yeah, worst case scenario, I'll just jump out at like noon one day and be done. The vampires just don't jump out. Just jump out and be done when you're. Done. I want to be a vampire. I don't. I think I didn't learn the lesson of the movie. But, but all right, thank you guys so much for thank joining you us. Thank so much. You guys were awesome. Uh, would you like to tell everyone one more time where they can find you guys and what you're working on? Sure, sure absolutely. You can find us uh, at fanbasepress.com. We're on all of the social medias. Um, and definitely check out our uh, currently running comic book series, Nuclear Power. You can find it at uh, fanbasepress.com. You can find us at nuclearpowercomic.com. It's available digitally on Comixology. Uh, and if you have a library card, you can get it through your local library at Hoopla as well. So definitely check it out. Yep. Hell yeah. Fantastic. Guys, thank you so much. This was wonderful, even though my kid was screaming in the background. And likewise. <laughs> likewise for us. So thank, thank, thank you, you so much. Kids. Yeah, we're all still humans. We have life around us. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs>